Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Toilets to Titles. We are doing the legal issues tonight. Uh, super excited about this episode. It was something that I figure a lot of people could use to get all of the, the legal issues with the NFL players all in one condensed area. Um, with me tonight is my co-host, my brother from another mother, the man I've spent more time with this offseason than my own family. Nino, how you doing, brother? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I can't complain. You know, anytime uh, we get to get together and talk any kind of football, good or bad, I'm down. You know that, Big G. Yeah, it's it, it, dude, it's been too long. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, is Mr. Drew Davenport. Uh, you may recognize him from Football Guys. Uh, he also does the Auction Brief podcast. He's a practicing defense attorney for over 21 years, and he has some of the best legal threads you will ever find on Twitter. Uh, Drew, thank you for uh, for joining us this evening. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. We we super appreciate your uh, your your willingness to give up some of your time to come in and, and talk about these issues. I know you do this kind of on the regular. You like I mentioned, you've got some of the best Twitter threads uh, on these. They go 18, 19 tweets sometimes, but they're absolutely fantastic. Um, so I figure, what better person to bring on to talk about it than you know than yourself? So uh, again, appreciate you. Uh, let's just jump right into this. Um, this offseason, there was an incident in Las Vegas with Alvin Kamara. Um, so he'll be the, the first one we'll talk about. Uh, apparently, he literally kicked the crap out of some people in, in, in Vegas and got arrested for battery. Um, what can you tell us about his situation, what his court case looks like, what he's looking at as far as, you know, any jail time, NFL suspension, stuff like that? Well, that is a multifaceted question. I could go along uh, a long time on that, but let me try to give you the thirty thousand foot view, and then you can ask me, you know, uh, specifics if you want. So, um, the way that it stands right now is that there's court coming up in the beginning of November, I believe, maybe the ninth, something like that. Um, don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, they they continued the case from the end of September, and basically said, hey, look, we got to get all the attorneys in the same room. And believe it or not, there's a lot of them on this case. I think they said there's 12 attorneys. So there's four co-defendants. There's the state uh, and their uh, prosecutors. So, yeah, they got a lot of people to to get together. But if you followed me since um, April, really, when the case got continued the first time, I was thinking back in April, hey, maybe something's going to happen and this case will be resolved before the season. But as soon as they continued it, the first thing I said was, this is not happening this year. And so if you've been following me since April, you know that that's been my party line, which is that that huge continuance from the end of April to the beginning of August was a signal to me that Camara's team was going to work as hard as they could not to have this happen during the season. So that's where we are, and we still are in that spot because virtually nothing has happened since April, which is wild to me as we sit here at the end of October, that they really haven't done anything on the case. And one of the things that we've been talking about is when is this video going to drop? Because that's affecting his situation with the NFL, whether we know it or not. Because if it drops and the NFL has not seen it, then we could be looking at commissioner exempt, something like that. But if that video doesn't leak, and I've been postulating that the reason that it hasn't leaked is because there's some sort of court order in place that we don't know about. That's what happened in the Tyree Kill case. So I talk about that sometimes, that, that I got a little bit thrown for a loop by the fact that the Tyree Kill nothing leaked in the Tyreek Hill case. That was because the judge put a gag order on anyone talking to the media or leaking anything. I'm wondering if that's what's going on here because 
there are some still shots of the alleged incident that surfaced in the recent civil suit filed by Camara, but we haven't seen the video and we haven't seen anything other than some pictures of the victim's injuries. So at this point, uh, there's still a lot that's up in the air, but right now his status with the courts is, I doubt this case is going to be over in November when they meet. I would guess that it's going to stretch into the offseason. That makes things tricky because as far as the NFL is concerned, they're probably not going to move from their current position unless there's a reason to. And I use the phrase, there has to be a stimulus to make them move from their current position. So that's where we are right now. I don't, that's a lot, but uh, I still could say a lot more. But what questions do you have? So if somehow the tape does get leaked, like I know when uh, when Ray Rice had his incident, mm-hmm. there, there, there was like two game suspension and whatnot. And then the horrific tape got leaked. Uh, uh, of his incident and everybody was in uproars and they went ahead and basically blackballed him from the league essentially. (laughs) And and the league came down with a much harder, harder hammer than the two games. Like is Alvin Kamara kind of in the same boat? Like what are the odds the NFL has not seen this tape already? That's a really interesting point because they actually put in the civil suit. So now that civil suit got filed recently. They actually put in the civil suit that they, they're trying to put some pressure on the NFL because they're saying, why hasn't Commissioner Goodell or why hasn't somebody done something with this case yet? And that's a Tony Busby tactic. That's what he did with Deshaun Watson's case to, to kind of bring it to a head. He just kept putting pressure on the NFL by leaking stuff into the media. And that's what, what's happened here. He's filed this suit now when he didn't really need to because he's got a couple years to file it. He's basically got till February of 24 to file the civil suit. So he didn't need to file it now. So he did it for a reason, and that's to put pressure on the NFL. And so, you know, what they put in the suit was he needs to do something, uh, talking about the commissioner, saying he's surely seen the video by now like we have. And I thought that was interesting phrasing because they don't know. Otherwise, they would have put in there, "We've you've seen the video, why aren't you doing anything? Instead, they say, we're sure he's seen it by now, which means they don't know if he's seen it or not. And that's the big question I have. Because I've, I've been talking about that with respect to this video. Like, if the NFL's seen it, and it's particularly heinous, why haven't they done anything? Which makes me think, maybe they haven't. And the point is, in this case, it's a criminal matter. And that's what the NFL doesn't like to tangle with. Because you're not going to get anything out of Camara or the co-defendants. Some of those guys are football players, too. You're not going to get anything out of them. Because their lawyers are correctly going to advise them not to say a word to the NFL while the criminal case is pending. That's much more important and impactful. So yeah, this is uh, I don't know if they've seen it or not. And that's a really, really important part of the part of the equation here that we just don't know. Nina, you got a question? Yeah, I, I just thought it was crazy that he was even able to play the Pro Bowl uh, after the arrest and everything that happened. I found that to be instantly I was like, oh, then it can't be that bad. And then as you know, it was like a downward spiral from there that it's it, it was that bad. And and now there were, you know, there are some victims. Um at this point, like you said, it's getting late and it really hasn't been any kind of noise about it. It's probably looking like beginning of the year, uh, next season. But how many games do you do you think? Two to four? If there's no video release, two to four? Yeah, so here's the problem with the personal conduct policy. There's specific guidelines that they have to follow if he's found guilty of this charge. And and let me back up real quick by saying that you made you you said something about um uh uh, about the the allegations here, and what we have to keep in mind is that the civil suit, by its very nature, is inherently one sided. 
Okay, it's just one party's take on what happened. And that's their what they're going to try to prove in their civil case. So they're supposed to put their slant on it. So everybody sees a civil case and goes, whoa, this is awful. And don't get me wrong. If true, these allegations are awful. But keep in mind that there's always two sides to a story. And when there's this kind of a fight, this kind of a melee, usually there's a reason that something like this happened. And we don't know both sides of it yet. Now, it could be that the other side, you know, doesn't have a whole lot to defend themselves with. That could be. But um, so what it comes down to is I, I want to put that out there first, because I think it feels like, oh, my gosh, this is just awful. And, and maybe it is. But my point is, I always just want to wait, because if we if I took everything for face value that came from the other side, the prosecution or the plaintiff as a defense attorney and just took everything they said at face value. You know, that that yeah. <laughs> so many times what they're saying is just utter garbage or yeah. <laughs> completely slanted or whatever. So we don't know that part. So let me get that out of the way. But to answer your question about the games, the personal conduct policy starts at six games if he's convicted of felonious conduct. Now, that's that's important because felonious conduct is starting at six games. If he is found guilty of this, and we see the tape, we're not talking about six. That's where it starts. For any aggravating factors, it goes up from there. And because of just the heinous uh, nature of what is alleged here, you know, they're talking about in the civil suit that like Kamara got in the car afterwards just bragging about it and talking about how oh, I laid this, you know, I got connected with his jaw and, you know, and there's, there's still shots of this dude trying to get away and Kamara's like going after him. So if all this stuff's true, like we're starting at six, like we could be talking about a year. You know, we feasibly could be if all this stuff is true. Now, on the other end of it, my guess is Kamara's team is to, going to try to get this to a point where they can get some sort of misdemeanor offer, some sort of disorderly conduct, maybe misdemeanor assault, something like that, so that it doesn't fall under the auto six-game suspension and they can keep some of the details under wraps maybe take a misdemeanor offer, maybe he gets four to six uh, or two to four. And that's very possible. But we just don't know because, as I've been saying since the beginning, these parties are really painted into a corner here. We've got the prosecutor on one side who represents a guy who's had some nasty injuries. He not only has like this orbital bone fracture, but he's got like disfigurement to that side of his face. So I think this stuff's going to be permanent. So the prosecutor's not just going to ride in uh, you know, uh, the day of, of the next court date and be like, yeah, here's your disorderly conduct minor <laughs> charge. Like that's, they can't do that. They've got a client to represent and they, um, you know, somewhere Jordan McNamara is cringing. I, I call it the client, like the victim here. It sort of is the client, but it's not the state of the state of Nevada is the client. But the point being, they listen to their victim and they listen to what they have to say and they have to represent that person's interests. Because that's the per that's who they're representing in court, so it's hard for them to offer a nice deal to Kamara. And for his part, he can't really come in and plead guilty to this thing because number one, it's going to crush his career with the NFL, and number two, don't forget this is a mandatory sentencing charge. If he is found guilty of this charge, it's two years prison mandatory. He cannot get out of that. So if he pleads guilty to this charge or is found guilty at trial, he's going to get smoked. So, you know, they're in, they're in a tough situation. It's going to be hard to come together. And that's why I've been saying all along, this case isn't just going to, they're not just going to walk in and settle it unless there's something we don't know about, which there might be. They're going to have to set this for trial. It's going to go right to the brink of trial 
uh, with them staring each other down in a, in a game of chicken. I play that game of chicken every day. And sometimes you do, that's just what you have to do because you got a tough situation. Wow. I, I did not. I did not realize that Nevada was a it was a mandatory sentence. That that explains a lot as far as why they're trying to fight it so hard and so vigorously. Um, I worked eight years for the local sheriff's office, and one of my jobs was taking inmates to and from court, and I would have to sit in on all their court proceedings. So mm -hmm. I have a little, not nearly not as much uh, court time as Drew here, but a, a little bit just by watching. And I did not realize because like Florida. I, I don't think Florida is a, a mandatory uh, minimum for for assault or battery or anything like that. So there, there are crazy. every state's different on it. And on some felonies, it depends on like the level. Like you could get a felonious assault in in Ohio and not have a mandatory. But then there are some that are. So it's just it varies wildly from state to state. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, Nina, you got any more questions on uh tomorrow before we move on to the next one uh no i he he actually answered it before i even asked i just wanted to know if he was found guilty what it would be i did not think it was two years that's that's wild like he said that's literally the end of his career at his age and yeah just the risk and, and yeah yeah i was just gonna say and, and and the bottom line is i don't believe that he's gonna end up spending time in prison i i, I don't think that's gonna be the resolution here but you understand the reason i say that is for everyone to understand the stakes here. And that's why this case is going to be difficult to settle. And that's why it's taking so long. And that's why it's been my opinion since April that this wasn't going to happen this year. Yeah. So we went from somebody where we haven't seen the video. <laughs> but we have literally have seen the video. Uh, Devontae Adams, uh, he, he was also charged with assault, uh, pushed the camera guy on his exiting as he was exiting the field. Uh, the guy went to the hospital to get checked out. And then, uh, and then is the they charged him with uh, criminal assault. Um, I know this is just very recently, so there hasn't been much movement on this. Uh, what can you tell us about the, uh, Devontae Adams' situation? Yeah, it's an interesting case because I've been talking about this since since everyone's been asking me. The thing that I keep saying is I really wish he hadn't made the statements that he made. The defense attorney in me certainly cringed uh, when he went on Twitter and apologized and then was talking in the post-game comments to the media about how he was sorry and he was just frustrated because the the big thing that people keep coming at me with is well it's self-defense the guy jumped in front of him and i say i understand your point but he literally debunked that idea by his comments because it wasn't self-defense he said i was frustrated about the way the game ended and i shouldn't have done that so he's admitting that he just reacted poorly and let's be honest i've, I've been saying this since the beginning these guys, we ask them to play a physical, violent game and then walk off the field and make nice with reporters afterwards. Like, it's hard to do. They can't just flip at the switch. And I don't blame Adams for what happened. Like, he's mad. This guy jumps in his way. It's like, what are you doing, idiot? Like, what are you, you know, and it's, so it's blown up. So I really believe that that's really what it comes down to is like, this is just a dumb, uh, just momentary lapse of reason. And I think that while the defense attorney in me cringed at the statements that he made, the other side of the coin is that Goodell is going to love that because when it comes time for punishment, what the NFL always stresses is, um, you know, contrition. They want you to actually care, apologize, and actually have remorse, not just, 
issue the apology that we saw, you know, another guy that we're going to talk about tonight issue recently, the Deshaun Watson apology, which was a joke. <laughs> and they want you to actually apologize. And and Adams is truly remorseful right after it happened. So that's going to go a long way for him. As far as the uh, criminal case goes, I looked up the 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 issue uh, originally under the Missouri State Code. They ended up charging him under the Kansas City um, Code, which is actually a more serious charge. It carries up to six months in jail, um, but that's not happening here. He's not going to go to jail, and this is one of those situations that I feel is very possibly going to get dismissed at some point, and that doesn't mean it's going to get dismissed because they can't win because it's clearly on on video, but it's going to be one of those things where this this um, the camera guy is going to say, hey, I had this broken or that broken as far as like his equipment or whatever, and then I had these injuries or these medical bills. And we can do restitution through criminal cases. So it may be that the the prosecutor says, hey, pay this guy's bills, make this guy whole, and we'll get rid of it. Or, you know, go take an anger management class and come back and or do 20 hours of community service. Speak at a couple of schools and tell them whatever. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. The point being, there are ways to earn a dismissal in this kind of case because there aren't any serious injuries and it's not a serious case. It's It's kind of silly if you ask me. I think filing the charge may be going a little bit far, but I understand based on the definition of that actual code section, they do have a right to charge him based on what happened. But I think it's 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 minor enough that I could see it being like reduced to maybe like a disturbing the peace. They have a they have a city code there for disturbing the peace, um, or just outright dismissed because he and the victim reach an agreement ahead of time. So that's very possible. I don't see the NFL doing a whole lot, especially if the case gets dismissed. I could see a stiff fine. I could see a one-game suspension. I'd be surprised if it went over two. I, in fact, I'd, I'd actually be surprised if he got suspended. I think one game is right in the middle of where I'm thinking, zero to two. Um, I just really don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, so that, that, that answers my question. I was going to ask if this falls under the, the code of conduct, with same with Alvin Kamara, where if found guilty, it's an automatic six games. Like, I think way too so, much for his actions so you um it's a good question because i've i've had somebody uh, come to me and say well this falls under personal conduct well yeah absolutely it does um it still falls under the policy because it's something that's de- detrimental to the league you know seeing a player walking off and shoving a photographer is really bad for the shield so it does fall under the personal conduct policy but that um i read it because i wanted to see what differentiation there was going to be between Kamara and Adams, because there is such a huge difference. And so I wanted to see what they said. And yes, the personal conduct policy starts with felonious assaultive behavior. So this is a misdemeanor. So it would not fall under the automatic six games. So I think the league has a lot of leeway in how they can handle the punishment. Uh, I just had a question with, uh, you said the, the way he worded it and him saying, you know, him being, you know, I apologize. If he had just, zipped it if it ever came down to the suspension do you think he would even face anything because it could have been like you said like a self-defense um situation if he just kept his mouth quiet yes so that's a good lesson for everybody out there something like this happens just don't say anything (laughs) just just keep your mouth shut and it doesn't matter who you're talking to just keep your mouth shut because i have the ability to maneuver the case how i want if you just keep your mouth shut you'd be surprised how many times i get a police report and I'm, I'm about to go to a pretrial and I read three quarters of it. And I'm like, oh, wow, we've got a good case here. This looks nice. So we can do this. So we can do this. So we can do this. And then the last paragraph, 
So the defendant admitted he was there and had punched the victim in the face seven times. You're like, God, what are you? Like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> this is just like this is not rocket science. I promise. But it's hard. It's hard in the moment. A police officer's got their light on you. What did you do? You know, it's hard to because they're going to badger you. And, and that's what reporters do. They're badgering him. Like, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you? And he's a nice guy. For all appearances, I think he looks like a nice guy. He sounds like a nice guy. I don't think he's got an assaultive history. So to answer your question, I, I know I tend to ramble. Sorry. But uh, the um, I think what, what it comes down to is um, had he not said anything, he would have had a better argument for self-defense. But then again, you, you, it's two sides of a coin because then you go to the NFL and you have to sell them on, hey, this was self-defense. And that's not really what the NFL wants to hear. They want you to hear. They want to hear. My bad. Won't happen again. Let's move on. And that's kind of what Adams did. So he, I think he set himself up all right uh, with the NFL, which is what matters. You got any other questions with him, Nino? No, I'm good. That was it. Um, like I said, you said he could get a fine maybe, and that, that would be probably the slap on the hand. But that was my only question. Yeah, I, I think of all the cases we're going to discuss, I think his is kind of the most clear-cut, the most minor of all of them, to be honest. Um, next, a guy, I, I didn't even remember that he had gotten arrested over the, the offseason. Uh, Marquise Brown, he was arrested mm -hmm. for speeding. And and by speeding, I mean he was going 126 miles an hour in a 65 mile per hour zone, uh, which will absolutely 100% get you a free ticket to jail every single time. Um, I, I didn't even remember he got arrested. What what do you do? You even know anything about his case? Like, what can you tell us about yeah. his case? Yeah, well, I looked into it initially, and it was kind of a nothing burger, so I haven't talked a lot about it. I did a short thread on it when it happened. But, you know, and I got some blowback for my comment. What I said was, these are young guys with a lot of money and they buy fast cars and this is what they do. And everybody's like, oh, my God. And I said, look, look, I'm not condoning the behavior. This is incredibly dangerous behavior. Uh, I mean, driving almost 130 miles an hour is ridiculous. Having said that, this is what these guys do. So this is not something the prosecutor hasn't seen before. And I think that's probably what kind of went into the blowback a little bit is that I've been doing this for 21 years, uh, going on 22 years and not a lot surprises me anymore. I see a ticket like this. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I had a guy going 90 and a 35 uh, on his motorcycle the other day. So it's like, <laughs> you just, I see it too much point being, yes, it's dangerous, but I do think that there is a very good chance that he gets a reduction to something that's reasonable because this is what's called criminal speeding in Arizona, I believe. And so it does have the possibility of jail time, but cases like these almost never end in jail. It would be shocking for that to happen. On top of that, really what um, really what it comes down to is does he have a history? If he's got, like, this is his fourth time getting caught driving, you know, more than 30 or 40 miles over the speed limit, now maybe that's a different story. But I haven't heard that that's been an issue. I think this is his first, um, you know, real issue with this kind of stuff. So that goes a long way for judges and prosecutors. And what that means is I think that this is likely to get pled down to a non-criminal speeding. Um, we call it reckless op here, reckless operation in Ohio, but same difference. Like uh, you speed high enough, it goes to jail time as opposed to just a fine. So I would guess that they're going to plead it down to something that involves just uh, a fine and a plea to a speed and not the reckless criminal driving. And, you know, something like maybe take a traffic course or something like that. But usually there's a way to earn your way out of a charge like this, not completely, but earn it down to something low enough that it's not a big deal. So um, I know in mass, if, if I drive double the speed limit, I'm in, 
I'm in the hot seat here. He he was four miles an hour away. Now would that have changed things? Heavy was going to buck thirty. Not not there. No, um, their definition, I believe, and I need to. I would have to look the statute back up. But their definition is fairly low. I think it's twenty five miles an hour uh, over, twenty five or thirty over. So it's it's he did not have to be going sixty wow. over for it to kick in. Yeah, it's 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 a fairly low threshold there uh, to get to criminal speeding. So yeah, he would have hit it uh, at 105 or 110 wow, or 126. Wow. So yeah. yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, yeah, Massachusetts. I know if I double it up, I'm going to the hole. <laughs> yeah, they have. I think it's like um, a certain speed on the highway, a certain speed on a non-highway, and a certain speed in a school zone. They have it uh, divided up into those three categories. This was on a highway, but no, yeah, he, he exceeded it well over on the highway too. Arizona, you're saying, has three separate. Uh, yes, yes, okay. yeah. That's the 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 statute that I looked up was where he was the jurisdiction he was arrested in. Gotcha. Yeah, I, and I'm I, not I, even sure if he went to jail. So I I, I, I think he did. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, night. <laughs> if he did, it might have been for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was say, I guarantee, if he was doing 126 in the school zone, he was going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to drive that fast in a school zone to go to jail out there. Yeah. yeah. So next one we got is is another guy that I completely got. Just I blanked on. Uh, I'm glad Nino threw this one on the list for us. Uh, I completely forgot he got arrested. It was Geno Smith uh, arrested for a DUI? Um, I, I will say I, I nearly had family members killed in a DUI. Uh, they weren't the ones drinking and driving. It was somebody that was DUI hit them. So it, DUI personally for me is one of those things that I have absolutely no sympathy for and, and, and condone to the utmost degree for anybody that, that decides to, to drink and drive. Um, so I don't really respect a whole lot of people who, who get pulled over for DUI. Um, but I completely forgot Gino did get pulled over for that. Uh, what can you tell us about his case? Yeah, it sounds to me like he was driving pretty erratically and um, there was some suspicion that there was intoxication there. And he did what he's supposed to do, which is, I believe, that he refused all the tests at the scene. And then they ended up taking blood, I believe. Um, so the problem uh, there, which is the problem in just about every jurisdiction I'm aware of, is that when you take a uh, either urine or blood sample to be tested, it can take a long time for that to come back. In my jurisdiction, um, we have the issue... So without boring everybody you get into speedy trial issues when it comes to like if the prosecutor can't prove it because they can't get their blood test back within the constitutional speedy trial time that's a problem for them now you can waive your speedy trial rights and i don't know if he did that there or what their speedy trial is up in in seattle but um you know it's typically kind of similar but i've heard that where this was sent away they're running nine ten months to get a you know, to get a result back. And so that's why we haven't heard a lot about this case. Gino has come out with a couple statements and acting like he's pretty confident that he's going to be okay here. And that could be the case because you don't typically go public that confident if, if you think that you're going to be in trouble. You know, of course, <laughs> you can't account for uh, people who don't know when to shut up. But, <laughs> you know, from what I can tell, he thinks like, hey, this this is going to, this is probably going to exonerate me. So I don't know what's about to happen here, but we may still be waiting a few more months even uh, for this test from this point forward. So they're in a holding pattern there as well. 
The one thing to keep in mind with the personal conduct policy is anytime there's a plea to any alcohol-related violation uh, involving driving, it starts at three games. Okay. Well, did not know that. The offseason, nobody would have cared if Geno Smith was suspended for three games. Right now, everybody cares. It's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. It is wild because the end of the season, it could happen with – I mean, I've I've said this all along. If if like in November the prosecutor gives Camara a deal he likes, he might be like, "All right, we suck this year. I'm going to start my suspension." And the same thing goes for um, for Geno Smith. Now they're they're playing well and they they got a good shot here to do something. Uh, but you never know if those blood results come back in in the next month, and then all of a sudden he's in court again. We'd have no idea what's going to happen at the end of the year. My guess though is we're not going to worry about Geno Smith this season. Yeah, these guys would be smart to try to get it all taken care of in the offseason versus in the middle of the season. Um, last one on our list is a guy that I, I thought we were done with him. Uh, we 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 all, you know, read all your briefs. We, 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 we thought we knew everything we knew, and then pops up another victim has come forward uh, uh, claiming Deshaun Watson uh, alleged sexual assault. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it here we go again? Not yes and no. I, so I thought we were done with him too. I'm ready to be done with him. Yes. Uh, this is I've lived and breathed this case for 16 months, but really, I I don't think this is here we go again because I believe that I believe a couple things. Number one, the NFL is not dumb. No matter how many people think the NFL does dumb things, they are extremely shrewd. They're extremely smart and calculated with every move they make. And my guess, I don't know this, but I'm guessing that the NFL and Watson's lawyers put together some language that went into this settlement that they made, this 11-game settlement, that says that any allegations that come out from cases that were from 2020 or early 2021 before this stuff was filed and before this stuff broke, that he's covered. So my guess is, you know, the, the, the NFL came out with a statement and they said, quote, Watson's status remains unchanged. And then they followed that up by saying, but we'll continue to monitor. And if there's anything else that warrants our action, we'll take action. But they left themselves every option there. Because number one, I believe that there is something in the settlement that says he's covered on 2020 in early 2021 allegations. So this is not what we consider to be a, quote, new allegation. And if you read my threads, um, you know that uh, I made an analogy, which was that a lot of times I get a client that gets placed on probation. And if that client has a history of, let's say, um, substance abuse, it is very common for old cases to pop up that predate the case that they're placed on probation for. So let's say that I get a case tomorrow. And it's the end of October of 2022, and they're placed on probation. And then in a month, we find out that they had a case from June that they hadn't taken care of yet in some other jurisdiction. That doesn't affect their current probation because it's not a new offense. Yeah. So I don't believe that the NFL is classifying this as a new offense when it comes to Watson. So, And I think that that's going to be the case for any 2020 or early 2021 allegation. Now, if there's some sort of allegation that comes out like, hey, last fall he was doing something, then we have a new ball game. Because if you can't handle yourself when you're under 
you know, this this much scrutiny and allegations, then there is a real problem. And I think all bets are off. But as long as these suits continue to come from that time frame, I don't think a lot has changed at this point. Um, but I'd love to get a hold of that language in the settlement. I don't think we'll ever see that, though. So I, I know with Deshaun Watson, when when his first punishment came out, they they suspended him the six games. That mm-hmm. went to a special arbit- arbiter. Um, do all of these potential suspensions all fall underneath the jurisdiction of a special arbiter, or are they all uh, Roger Goodell? Well, so the new process is, I believe that it goes to, um, I believe that it goes to Sue Robinson. Yeah. Um, but I, so I don't know exactly what triggers that yet, because again, it's a new process that I'm not hundred percent familiar with. And what I like to tell people is, and I, this sounds like a cop out, I promise it's not, um, I'm not an NFL punishment expert. So I, I know a lot of what's happened in all these cases. And I try to be as informed as possible, but I certainly don't know this process very well yet. And I believe, though, that once it falls under the personal conduct policy, it triggers this independent review. Okay, which is what I thought, but I wasn't sure if you if you knew more than. Yeah, I'm learning it with everyone else right now because it's new in the in the new CBA that they signed. Um, I had a question. Now, obviously, this is another one that popped up after suspension. What is the timetable? Where's the end of the timetable where these allegations can come up to affect Watson? So that's a good question, and and it's something I forgot to mention. So thank you for asking that, because there is usually a statute of limitations of two years on civil allegations like these. Now, that's not hard and fast rule in every state, um, but I believe that's the situation in Texas. If I remember right, I've there's so many parts to this case. But if I remember right, that's true down in Texas as well. So we'd be looking at March of 23 for uh, the, the these allegations uh, basically to run out of time to file civil suits. I don't believe there's going to be any criminal action still. I still think that that's a, a non-factor. But I think if we're going to see some more civil allegations, it's certainly possible we could see some. But I think spring of 23, March of 23 is when that's going to end. Um, I know you said something about the language. You know, I, I agree with you there that there's probably some language where it doesn't matter. If do you think that there's a number that if, you know, between now and the, you know, say the end of the year, a certain amount of allegations add up that they revisit this and it could be an open opened up again? Or is there? it's just the language is the language and that's it? So. That's a great question. And and again, I'm going to sit on the fence here, but I, I think there's a good reason why, because you're absolutely right that the language is the language. And that's what I'd be preaching if I were Watson's team. But I think that if there was an avalanche of cases, it would become an optics thing for the NFL where they'd have to say, hey, this we didn't expect this. This was not in the spirit of our agreement that 11 more women were going to come forward or whatever the number is. Right. Yeah pulling a number out of the air. But if there's an avalanche of cases, and one of the things that that I said earlier is that Busby was really good at keeping the pressure on the NFL and kind of trickling the cases and trickling the news out so that it constantly stayed at the front of the news cycle. And if there's something like that that happens in the next, because what, he's going to be back in six weeks. Um, If something like that happens in the next six weeks, I could see that changing. So, but I think it would really have to be a strong avalanche. 
And I would think it would have to be a lot of cases because, I mean, the NFL is familiar. If you don't think they read that New York Times article, you're crazy. I mean, that article about him having 60 different women, like they know about this stuff. And I guarantee that that was a part of the sticking point in the behind the scenes, the negotiations, because I think this would have been done a lot quicker if there weren't all these moving parts. And that's why it's so hard to come to a settlement when there's possible cases hanging out there and there's unresolved issues. You know, he settled all but one of the civil cases prior to this new one being filed, but there's still that one case hanging out there and it's a troublesome case. And you start to think like, oh, it's just one case because you've been desensitized by having 26 of them. And it's like, if, if there was one case filed tomorrow against Tom Brady or something, I don't want to be, this <laughs> right. is, this is completely <laughs> hypothetical. I do not want to get sued. Um, if there was some case that dropped one case for some guy that you had never heard of this stuff for before tomorrow, you'd be like, wow, that's a bombshell. But we hear one case with Watson. We're like, yeah, it's one case. And that's, that's awful. Cause that's, we'd be, we've been desensitized to how, to how creepy this dude is. Can I yeah. throw a curveball at you? Um, sure. Hit me with it. it. With the same, which it's staying on, on the Watson. If, if there was a, a current, you know, 2022, um, a case that they that was filed does that change the ball game? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And if if there is any allegation, I would venture to say from middle of last summer to now, if there's a new allegation that pops up, I think all bets are off. I think he'd probably go immediately to commissioner exempt. I think, and, and you know, his team is, is going to scream. And I know that. So I'm pretty hard on 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 uh, a certain writer over at Pro Football Talk because um, I generally think a lot of his stuff is very clickbaity. But he's a former attorney and maybe still is, and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to legal stuff. And he said, "Look, if 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 the NFL tries to come back and say, hey, you're going to be suspended now because of this new allegation, uh, the they would have a legal fight on their hands, and, and Watson's team would have a really strong argument that, hey, no." We already litigated this and we already settled this. So they have to, they know that they have to be on strong footing in order to get this case, um, you know, uh, opened back up for lack of a better way to say it. And so, yeah, it would have to be a new allegation. And I'd say, you know, June of last year through this, through current time. And, and I, we haven't heard anything like that. Hopefully he's, he's learned his lesson, but. Eh, He's, I think he's in counseling. That's what I. We're not allowed to know that stuff from HIPAA, but I'm fairly certain that he is. And I think one of the um, spokespeople for the NFL said uh, that he had been going to his counseling and doing what he was supposed to be doing. That's the only way this is going to change. And I just, right. you know, I, I don't talk all about the human side of it a lot, but I, I see all kinds of this stuff, and there is, and I want to be careful how I say it, but. They're famous people have, I mean, Deshaun Watson, he's, he's a nice looking guy. He's been a quarterback who's been in demand his entire life. He went to Clemson and had anything and everything handed to him. Now he goes to the NFL. He's rich. It's the more the same. They develop personality issues that can turn into mental health issues. I am not diagnosing Deshaun Watson, but I, what I'm saying is that these things can turn into personality disorders. I don't think you guys, the three of us sitting here, <laughs> have ever thought about going to a, a, a massage and being like, yeah, I don't need that sheet. Just give me a washcloth. Like it, <laughs> It's so weird 
that, you know, it's just, it has to be some sort of mental health illness or some sort of uh, personality disorder that he's developed. And, and again, these, these are purely my opinions and speculation, but I, there's somebody doesn't act like that without something going on. So he needs counseling. He needs to have something that's going to help him realize uh, what he needs to do, you know, to act right. Um, George, can I, can I throw a, another curveball at him off the topic? Hit me, hit me um, with it. That's fine. Right. So um, I know we mentioned the play conduct code, um, and there was a couple, there was two or three gentlemen that we had uh, on the doc that we were all familiar with. Um, but I just want to know what are under the play conduct code is the punishment for gun and drug charges. Uh, it's it's basically the same as far as um, where you start. Now I don't I don't have those memorized because I haven't looked at that stuff lately. So okay. I'm going to um, probably swing and a miss here on the curveball. But I, I don't have <laughs> I do know that it's the same thing as far as like these kinds of allegations. Um, there's a starting point in the personal conduct policy that they have to start with, and it's fairly severe on some of these issues. So, yeah, it, it is um, the way it's written, though. I got to be honest, the personal conduct policy, I, th I think it's in, written intentionally vague, but they've really screwed themselves in a number of different ways. And we kind of talked about this during the Watson case. I talked about this again. I, I bring up Jordan McNamara because he's a prosecutor. So him and I have a good conversation back and forth about some of this stuff. And he brought up some good points, which is just that the NFL really created a mess for themselves with the way this conduct policy was written. And so, yeah, there's some starting points, but there's a lot of latitude for what actually qualifies under some of these mandatory punishments. So it's kind of a mess. Um, and then one, one last one was like, what about burglary? I know back, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an old, old guy. I'm 41. So I remember like, Maurice Clement. Oh, we're got, all old, Nino. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember Maurice Clement got got kind of pretty much kicked out of the NFL and went to jail for um burglary. But there was a gentleman that I had on a doc that got arrested early in the offseason for burglary. Uh, I just wondering what that was on the play conduct code for suspension wise or you know punishment if you knew. Um, so I don't specifically on that. Burglary is one of those things that um, it, it sounds like. Uh, so burglary is actually defined as going into an occupied structure to commit a crime. So a lot of people think burglary is just stealing, but burglary is just, hey, I went into somebody's house I wasn't supposed to go into, and you did something. Punched somebody, broke something, stole something. Burglary is oftentimes associated with stealing because people usually break into someone's house, steal, and then leave. But it can just be breaking in and punching somebody because the act of entering an occupied structure when you're not allowed and then committing a crime is what makes it felonious. Um, the Claret case is really interesting. We don't have to talk about that now, but funny story. Um, one of my best friends in the world was at my wedding and um, I went to law school with him. He was a teacher. He still is. He's a professor at Ohio state and um, actually ended up uh, getting into tutoring all of these sports programs. So he's actually really good friends with a bunch of the guys from that national title team at Ohio state. Nice. And um, so he's good friends with Maurice Claret. And actually he ghost wrote his uh, autobiography, which if you guys want a copy of it, I can send it by PDF. It's really interesting. It's written sort of in Maurice Claret's like um, first person, like just talking about his life and how things happen. And it's incredibly interesting because 
it, it talks about how, and I talked about the mental health stuff earlier, about how he just, he, was, he, he had mental health issues. He wasn't addressing them. He was self-medicating by drinking and, and it just wasn't working. And um, the guy, absolutely awesome dude now, turned his life around in prison, read books, um, figured out life. And now he has a foundation where he helps underprivileged kids uh, that were like him. And um, I'm actually bringing him to Dayton to have an event uh, in the spring. Where do you guys live? Massachusetts. Where's where that, George? Florida. Ah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so he's coming to speak uh, to talk about that stuff because I, I think that stuff's really interesting because what we don't what we don't understand is how many people are walking around with mental health issues that aren't treated and what we get are things like Deshaun Watson or, um, you know, Dalvin Cook or some of that stuff. Sometimes that stuff happens and we just don't realize it. And I think Claret's become, uh, you know, a bit of a punchline to people, but I, the dude's amazing. And uh, I I applaud uh, what he's done with his life. So anyway, sorry to, about the tangent. I know Maurice and I like to say that stuff. So Listen, if, if there's a chance I can get my foot in the door to, to interview Maurice, if you could put that in front of him i would love hey, to get him you, on television you would be title. second in line because i can't get him on my show <laughs> he doesn't I'm like to do podcasts <laughs> i know i know man believe me i'm working on it i'm working on it but you'll be second in line how about that I appreciate that <laughs> second in line is better than last in line right Nina? right that's right i'm still in line that's all that matters <laughs> um can i throw a knuckleball at you you might not know about anything about it, it was right. a while back was a uh, darius geis mm -hmm. um yeah Wanted to touch on. I, I know he had some talent coming out, and then he, he had bad legal stuff. Yeah, Darius guys. Darius guys is a guy that I had on every dynasty team. I loved the guy. I, I I hoped nothing for the best for him. I held on to him through all these injuries he had, and then that stuff came out about him and just crushed me. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I'm getting breaking news here that James Robinson has been traded to the Jets. Yep. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Travis is, uh, live yeah, wow. on T2T. We're breaking it for you. James Robinson to the Jets. Sixth rounder. What a monster deal. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Oh, man. Well, um, uh, so, yeah, the Darius Geis case is interesting, and it's one of those things that I say all the time, and I, and I, I feel like I preach too much, but I see so much of this stuff. He had allegations of problems at LSU. And those, I did not know about those. I'm not a big Debbie guy or college guy. I love college football. But ever since I've done fantasy football and had a family, I can't watch college football because I watch <laughs> NFL football. So I have to have one day with the family at least, right? So um, so I'm not a big Debbie guy. I didn't know about the stuff that was going on with guys at LSU. But apparently it was, it was nasty stuff. And there were just allegations, but there was a lot. The, you know, the smoke and fire thing is something I firmly believe in when it comes to domestic violence, because I see, I represent DV abusers all day, every day. And it's not something that I love doing because I'm so committed to the opposite side of that. Um, I really believe that it's a major problem in our country. And so I, I see things in what these guys say. And I say, guys, it's not always guys, but the majority of the time it is. I see things in what they say and how they act. And you can tell if they get it or if they don't. And I don't believe that Darius Geis gets it from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe this is an isolated problem. I think that it's like one of those things like, uh, uh, George, to go back to your uh, comment about, uh, about DUI stuff. 
if I see a person that has a DUI in 2022 and they had one back in 2005, they'll be like, well, that was 17 years ago. And I say, but you know what? The judge doesn't care that it was 17 years ago. If you stole some Tic Tacs 17 years ago, they'd be like, nice job not stealing anything for 17 years. But if you get a DUI 17 years apart, the judge thinks you've been doing it all along and you just haven't got caught. Yep. So that's that's what I believe with domestic violence. Unless the guy goes to counseling and starts saying these uh, what I call terms of art. That's something that we use in, in the law where we when we say, um, you know, a certain thing has gravitas in the legal field. Uh, it's a term of art. It's something that we use every day to convey meaning beyond the word. And that's what you want to hear from alleged abusers is that they're making these comments that show you that they understand the power balance of domestic violence and all the issues around it. You can hear it when they start talking about it. That has not happened with Darius guys. Frankly, it never happened with Tyreek Hill, which is, you know, I'm surprised that I feel like that's a ticking time bomb. Maybe he took things seriously. I don't know. Getting off point. My point being in, with guys, I don't believe he knows what he's done. I think there's a reason he's still out of the NFL. And I'm not sure the dude's ever coming back because uh, I don't think those issues have been addressed. And and, and I don't think, I don't think it's going to go anywhere until he does. And I would guess that's not happening. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't ever foresee him playing another snap in the NFL. I, I think that ship has sailed. Um, I'm going to throw one at you real quick, Drew. Uh, and it's not really even a guy. It's more along the lines of the policy. I'm not sure even if you know anything about it or not. But, like, Josh Gordon was hammered and hammered and hammered, basically had his career ruined because of his addiction to to drugs and alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like less and less we're hearing about uh, drug problems in the NFL and more specifically marijuana usage. Um, is that something that the NFL is just not punishing for? Because there's no way I can believe in my heart of hearts that these players are not smoking marijuana and and whatnot versus taking pills. Like I believe a hundred percent they're doing, they're doing the marijuana stuff more than they're taking pills for their pain. Yeah. um, So I think you're right. And I don't know what to make of that because I would, I would have to guess that they're starting to de-emphasize that part of it. But I'm pretty sure that that was a point of contention in the new CBA and the NFL wouldn't give in on it because they were like, look, this is still a federally um, scheduled. This is a federally controlled scheduled drug. And I believe that our government's working on that now to to make it uh, to declassify it. But until that time, I don't think the NFL can officially come out and be like, yeah, we're not doing anything. But it might be possible they're de-emphasizing it. And that's one of the things that's happening certainly around me in criminal cases. What I'm seeing a lot is... People, uh, you know, X person got pulled over. They had no license, found weed in the car, uh, confiscated the marijuana and wrote him a ticket for his no license. And I'm seeing that all the time now because they they don't want to mess with the, the medical anymore or with the marijuana anymore because there's so many people with medical and there's so many people who are just like, what? It's not a big deal. And it's like, yeah, bro, it's still against the law. I get that everybody's smoking weed these days, but it's against the law. So they're tired of arguing about it and they've made it a minor misdemeanor in Ohio, which means you can't even go to jail. It's just a ticket. And it used to be that you get your license suspended. They're not doing that anymore either. So I think that it's possible the NFL is doing the same thing. They're de-emphasizing and they're doing it quietly. Um, Because the Josh Gordon case is an interesting one. And a lot of people want to kind of be very reductive about it. Like, hey, uh, Gordon, all he did was 
um, smoke some weed. You got kicked out of the league for this many years. It's like, nah, it was a lot more complicated than that. Dude was drinking uh, a fifth yeah. of vodka before he went and played football. Like, he's got a serious problem. There's a serious substance abuse problem. And on top of that, we call it self-medicating. And I referenced it earlier in the show. People with um, mental health issues self-medicate by drinking, smoking weed, doing opiates, and so they try to handle the mental health issue, and I think that's what the where the NFL was really drawing the line. You've got this mental health issue, handle it, and then the substance abuse would would go away with it. But I don't think he handled any of it, and that so it was much more complicated than people thought. And frankly, Josh Gordon's a sad case for me. It's a sad. He had so much um, raw potential, and and I feel terrible for him that he couldn't get it under control. I mean, not to knock him, or I knock his camp more. That came out of college. He had those same mental issues, mental health issues, the same mm -hmm. um, substance abuse issues. He said he was drinking in college um, the same amount uh, before games. He don't even remember some games where he, he balled out and had great games. He didn't even remember playing. So his camp allowed, yeah. also was uh, allowing him to do that, which is terrible. A lot of people around him enabling that behavior. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, had, so we had a guy from uh, Massachusetts and Chris Heron. So uh, I, I he was a stud basketball player in college. He went to play with the Celtics. And it was the same substance abuse, mental health thing. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of enablers and it just seems like a very similar story. Yeah. Well, when you're in his circle and you know that he's going to go get paid and, and you're going to be part of the inner circle. Um, sometimes you just go along with it. You become a yes man, but there's a lot of enablers around anybody who has a problem like that. Everybody's seeing it and everybody's keeping their mouth shut. So there's a lot of people to blame there. And I feel bad for Josh. I, th I really do. I always have. I think he's a sympathetic figure. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, Nina, uh, we, we done burnt up almost an hour of uh, Mr. Davenport's time here. Do you have any other type of baseball reference pitches you want to throw at him before we, before we <laughs> I think you've thrown everyone at me already. Yeah. Maybe got a sinker. I went I went deep into the the bag to try to to try to just throw a little curveball at him, but didn't work. He he got them all. <laughs> all right. Well, well uh, uh, we we greatly appreciate your time coming on here. You are a wealth of knowledge, my friend. Uh, learned more tonight about these cases than I than I did just you know reading your briefs, which I, I typically read them all, retweet every single one for you. Um, thank you again so much for coming on, Nino. Why don't you get us out of here? Okay. Once again, you guys know the drill. You can find uh, Pellets of Titles on the YouTube at youtube.com backslash Pellets of Titles. Uh, it's a Twitter, and we got the Patreon. It's five levels. Uh, it, to me, I always say it's all about the fifth level. The fifth level is about you. Uh, you get you know in-depth analytics from us. We'll break down trades. Uh, whatever you need, whatever you got going, you get individual help. You send us a DM or email, and anyone at Pellets of Titles will help you out. Um, outside hey. of that, Check out all the shows coming up, and Georgie's going to take us away. Well, no, I was going to say real quick, I forgot, and I, I apologize, Drew. Why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you and, and, and your oh, work? Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, Drew Davenport FF on Twitter. That's where I put out most of my content, um, but I do write for football guys as well. And I love, uh, of course, um, uh, Pimping My Podcast, the auction brief. Uh, I'm only in season. I'm only doing it about every two or three weeks uh, over the summer from May to August. It's every week because it's typically a draft show. But during the season, I do uh, do some breakdowns of what's going on in the NFL and then also the legal stuff on the show as well. You can find me on TikTok, too, at Fantasy Football Lawyer. i got to get some TikToks out. It's been a couple weeks, but uh, that's where you can find me. Thanks for letting me uh, plug that.
you're going to get a TikTok follow tonight because why I don't post anything on TikTok, I absolutely will sit there and scroll for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been negligent in getting out my latest legal updates, so that'll be coming this week. Awesome. Well, now you got it. Now you have to because you already made a you made a comment. About That's, why lie, so. That's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm saying it. Put in the air. <laughs> And George, I want to say thank you. I noticed that you retweet my stuff all the time, and yeah. I appreciate that support. It's it's absolutely. I mean it when I say it's absolutely fantastic stuff. It is phenomenal. Thank so, you, appreciate Nino. That. Fun, brother. Let us get out of here. Let you get on with what he's got to get going on with, my friend. All right, uh, everybody. Thank you again uh, for coming on Title to Titles, and till the next time. We out.